The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Hello, friends. Thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we will review Austin's 1-1 draw against Colorado. We will preview our first ever playoff match, and we will cover some other Austin FC news. We also have a very fun interview with Austin FC player Ruben Gabrielson, so we can't wait for you guys to hear that. My name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley, and I'm very happy to be back and behind the microphone in our back bedroom after having a week off. But you, Kevin did a great job of, of filling in and holding down the fort. So uh, it's, But still, it's good to be back and seeing you and your, your fresh haircut, Landon. Yeah, good to have you back, man. It's, uh, it's, it's, it always feels a little bit different having, having new people in, but it, feel, it feels like home with you back here, buddy. Oh, thank you, man. So wait, I saw you Saturday before the game at Hop Squad, but then on Thursday at the game before Hop Squad, I went to this like Brad Stuver uh, fundraiser that I want to talk about a little bit. It's for Bobby Jones CSF, and I don't remember how to pronounce the words that make up CSF, so I'm just going to like <laughs> sit at their musculoskeletal disorders and leave it at that. But the cool thing about it was so Brad Stuver was there, raised some money for a good cause, and like my son Jackson got to meet Brad Stuver, which is the thing that he's like most wanted to do out of this Austin FC experience. And it was... He's such a good dude. And his wife was there and she's such a good person too. And like they are just shining lights and just beautiful people and amazing examples of like what soccer can mean to the community as a whole. So probably maybe a hundred people out there. I think we raised like eight thousand dollars. He gave away he gave away a pair of uh game worn gloves. Um and the whole uh handsome boys modeling football club crew was out there. And uh, as soon as somebody won the gloves, people started chanting for the person to sniff the gloves. So like <laughs> Brad looked mildly embarrassed by that and Ashley looked like super entertained by that. So there was a little bit of that. They ended up giving him <laughs> some kind of award. They had him like uh, sign a photo of the, you know, there's this pose of him stretching that they've like <laughs> yeah. show over and over again. So somebody had him sign one of those and just gave him t-shirts, gave him the official t-shirts with the big peach on it. So it was, it was a good time for a good cause for sure. That sounds awesome. You said that your son was talking to him about middle school football. Yes, yeah, about middle school football. And the fact that Brad Stuver was 5'3 when he was uh, 13 years old and Jackson Bentley is 6'1. So Brad said he grew between his <laughs> his junior and senior year of high school when he was when he became full goalie sized. Wow. Uh one other thing talking about meeting meeting people out in the wild that we didn't get a chance to talk about this on the show cuz I think you were gone the week after it happened, but uh we had some listeners reach out. I think they live up in the like DFW area. But they were going to be in Austin for a game. Big Austin FC fans, big fans of, of Moon Tower Soccer. And so they reached out, asked if we could meet up with them before the game while they were in town. So we went over to, to the stadium. Uh, they were kind enough to buy us a beer. But it was Claire and John. And so Claire is 14 years old. She got really into Austin FC for, I can't even remember why they they got into Austin FC living where they live. But they did. Uh, Claire says she found Moon Tower Soccer by just like Googling Austin FC stuff and then got her dad, John, into it. And uh, it was it was just a lot of fun to get to meet them uh, and kind of see uh, their enthusiasm for the team. And then just like it, it's an honor to kind of be part of their like father daughter bonding time. That's really, really special. And we're honored to to be a part of that. Yeah, it was really cool and really humbling to see them there. And like meet them and then to be excited about like I still get I still don't understand how people are excited to meet us, but I mean I appreciate that people are. 
but uh, yeah, and like take the picture, and I think they tweeted it out with some real sweet notes. Just we we appreciate y'all, Claire and John, and thank thank you very much for for following the show and like caring so much about what we do. So one thing it did uh, make me start to think about is before that moment, I think I had a pretty lax attitude towards like what kind of language we used on the show, and I would bleep it. But sometimes I would forget to bleep it and then I would realize later and I wouldn't go back and replace the audio file. I'm just like, ah, whatever, it's fine. And then I realized like, okay, we have a big fan of a show, listens to every episode, who is 14 years old. I was like, maybe we should be like a little bit tighter with things like that. And then I saw John tweet something today that just like smashed that all to pieces and makes me think we're fine, which is uh, he's, this is in response to a false nine tweet, which that's a... That's a flag right there to say we're going in a certain direction. (laughs) But uh, it says that his wife from across the house yelled, if I hear our 14-year-old daughter say clowns or how is that even in position one more time, you two are not going to the game next week. You two sound (laughs) like idiots. (laughs) So if this is the kind of language that she's using during Austin FC games, I feel like what we're doing is is probably it's fine, and John's not okay. going to mind it too much. Yeah, I was I was thinking about the Gabrielson interview and what you might have to bleep out of that, knowing that. But maybe it's all going to be okay. <laughs> uh, well, Claire and John, thanks for listening. It was great to meet you. Hopefully, we we'll get to see you at a game again sometime soon. Um, let's jump into some Austin FC news. So, the Austin FC Academy is back in action now. They played. Back-to-back days over this weekend, I got to go out to St. David's and watch uh, like three and a half games. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. And man, those kids can play. Like they're, <laughs> they're getting really, really good. Like I remember going out and seeing this group. It, the oldest group in the academy is now in the U17 category. A lot of these kids were on that original team that was like a U13 team. And going out and seeing that group play some to see them like essentially like almost grown men and playing beautiful soccer, like really, really nice soccer at a really high level. It's been really cool to watch. And I just like I think I came away from it with just like this really positive and encouraged outlook on the entire Austin FC project. Well, and I was just following on, you know, uh, from afar on Twitter, but they had the results are pretty good too, right? I mean, not that we're supposed to care only about results for for academy kids, but it seemed like a lot of positive scores uh, when you were tweeting. Yeah, so the Saturday games were against San Antonio FC. San Antonio always comes gunning for this Austin FC team. Like, I think the there is, as we saw with the U.S. Open Cup this year and talking to guys like Harry and some other friends in San Antonio – there is a rivalry, even if it's only one way most of the time. Like San Antonio wants to beat Austin, and that has trickled down into the youth level as well. And there's some San Antonio kids who play on the Austin team now. So um, there's reasons for them to be a little bit upset with Austin FCs. But in, in any case, those kids come gunning for Austin FC every time they play. And so because Austin was playing back-to-back days and they had Sporting Kansas City the next day, most of the starters for the game against San Antonio FC were the U16 kids. So like the younger uh, year group of that combined U17 team. And so San Antonio scored two goals in the first half. 
in the second half, as Austin starts rotating in some of their older players, they start to come back and Austin ends up getting the tying goal, like on a, a header in like the dying minutes, like the last one or two minutes of the game. And so really exciting finish there. Uh, U 15s come on and play. They end up beating San Antonio six one. Um, but it was fun. The, the U 15s is a group that I hadn't really watched yet, but Abner Zuniga is a player who had gotten a national team call up and I hadn't really seen him play yet. So it was fun to get to watch him play. He's a, a tricky little number 10, really talented player. And then also, uh, Josh Wolf's youngest son is on this team. And one of the six goals was a beautiful free kick that he put top corner, like keeper never had a chance, but Gavin, the, the youngest Wolf son doesn't not built like his brothers at all. Like his brothers are good athletes, but they're not big guys. Gavin is one of the biggest kids on the team uh, and plays center back, left footed center back, but also apparently a, a set piece specialist. So I think he'll be fun to watch going forward. And then on Sunday, I went back out to watch them play uh, Sporting Kansas City. Austin dominated SKC in the first half. With and this was most of like the probably like what what would be as close to a starting eleven uh, as you would get from this Austin FC team. They looked really good. Went up. I think they were two nil up, and then there was like a just kind of a, a silly goalkeeper error that led to an SKC goal and let them back into it. They got another goal. It was two, two again, Austin FCU 17s get a goal in the last couple of minutes. Drake Fournier scores a header in the dying minutes and, and gets the go ahead. But Drake Fournier had two headed goals in that game. And the, the first goal was a Micah Burton free kick where it's it, one of those like, off like at a 45 degree angle off the corner of the the 18 yard box and just like the amount of curl and bend he puts on it to just whip it out and away from anywhere the keeper was going to get near and then off the far post and into the goal it was beautiful but i i don't if you can't tell i was very excited <laughs> to watch these guys and very um very energized by getting to watch them play and excited to see what they're going to do in the future uh, that's that's great. So uh, speaking of uh, youth players, so Irvin Torres is getting named to, was this his, he's the U16 Mexico squad, and he's also had a term with the U16 US team, correct? Yeah, he's gotten, I think, two call-ups to the U, uh, to, I think, U15 and then U16 US squad. Recently, he got a call-up to the U16 Mexico squad, and so... Yeah, I mean, it, both federations are apparently looking at him at the moment. I think a lot of our listeners and Austin FC fans will maybe have a preference for which of those countries he ends up choosing. In any case, like, this is a good sign. If, you, if you've got U.S. and Mexico fighting over your youth prospects, that's a good sign. And so uh, in any case, like, I'm honestly glad that he's going to get to see both and get a chance to get into both camps, play in both systems. And he, he's going to have a while to make that decision. It doesn't really uh, lock him into anything until you get into the first team, like first team caps. And so, um, yeah, I, I hope he takes advantage of it. Go see both of them, make the decision that's right for you. But yeah, like I said, I think it's awesome that, that both of them are even giving him looks right now. Yeah. That, I mean, it's, that's, that's the headline here is the fact that he has the, we have a person who has the opportunity to, to make it with both both national teams is pretty amazing. And I guess the other U.S. and Mexico news we got was the League's Cup 
format came out for 2023. I, there are a few highlights here. I guess the first thing is probably the the time. So it's going to be basically a month of the season in 2023 that we will not have MLS action, which... Um, so this begins on July 21st, and the final takes place on Saturday, August 19th. I mean, my feelings about being off a month are clearly just dependent upon how Austin's doing at the time, right? Like, if Austin's on a hot streak, you're going to be like, oh, why do we have to interrupt this tournament, you know, the season for this tournament? And if Austin's kind of struggling, then it'll, you know, it'll be a beautiful thing to get a chance to regroup. I mean, what do you, th- what do you think about that? Yeah, I'm, I've, I've been thinking about how I feel about it. I think, like, as a soccer fan... I think this tournament is going to be really cool and a lot of fun. And I'm glad that they're taking a month off from the league. Like both leagues will be doing it so that it's not a thing where, okay, we're playing a leagues cup thing midweek. So we need to rotate and plan for it. It's like, no, no, this is all that's happening for this month. And so focus on it, uh, take it seriously. And I think all the teams will, like you've been seeing these various little like mini competitions that don't really mean anything recently and these teams are fighting for it they want to win Liga Mekis and MLS teams want to beat each other and I think when we get into this League's Cup tournament it's because they can focus on it I think everybody's going to take it seriously and it's going to be fascinating to see not the top teams against the top teams because we get that in in CCL sometimes right most of the time we, we get to see the top Mexican teams and the top US teams play each other but I think the big question is like, what does the middle of the table look look like against the middle of the table? What does the bottom of the table look like against the bottom of the table? This is going to be the first real, um, real meaningful measure of where these two leagues stand against each other. And I, I just think it's going to be a lot of fun taking my neutral soccer hat off and putting my Austin FC hat on. Like you said, like, uh, yeah, if we're killing it and we go into this tournament and then wear ourselves out and then have to come back out and play the rest of the season. Like maybe I'm not going to be so happy, but it's not like, it's not going to be a ton of soccer really. So I don't think it's going to be like the kind of workload that's going to kill a season. Um, and if nothing else, I think it's going to be some really important experience and, um, just like this international experience that when we do, eventually get into CONCACAF Champions League and these bigger tournaments that will have been there before. We'll have played competition like this and we'll be ready for it. And so I'm I'm personally really excited about it. Yeah, and speaking of CONCACAF Champions League and why people might care. So I, mean, I guess one, you mentioned this, all 47 first division clubs are going to be in this, but uh, the champion as well as the second and third place finishers will qualify for the CONCACAF Champions League. So there's like some real reward um, for... The, for for winning this tournament or going deep. Uh, some other Austin FC news is that Matthew McConaughey was actually at Q2 the other day. <laughs> he was all over the place. Uh, he was sitting. I, the first time I realized he was there, I saw him on the big screen sitting next to Verdissimo, the, the luchador. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is weird. But, um, but then later got to see, heard him on the broadcast when I did my rewatch and then, uh, saw him in the capo stand, and I thought this was a funny tweet that the False Nine put out. It was a picture of Rigo and McConaughey standing next to each other on the capo stand, and the False Nine captioned the picture: "The Minister of Culture plus some guy named Matt." <laughs> I love it. I love it. 
I did. It was good to see him there. Um, and I guess I, I, I wonder if that, what the interaction was like between Rigo and McConaughey, or did you know, did he even notice the <laughs> other? Another interesting thing that on the broadcast, I saw a clip of him saying that he'd been talking to Ryan Reynolds. Is going to see if they could work out a friendly with Wrexham, which would be like the weirdest, most gimmicky thing in the world, but that I would also be like 100% there for it. It'd be, be magical. I mean, if the guys, some guys with the money to pull it off, they could bring Wrexham and play a match out at St. David's Performance Center or something. I mean, that would be, no, that would be pretty, pretty amazing. Do it at Q2. At Q2? Okay. Yeah. You'd need Make the celebrity owners there. Turn it into a documentary, whatever. <laughs> That's true. Bait for TV movie. <laughs> Um, and then talking about Matthew McConaughey on the broadcast in there with Adrian Healy and Michael Hood, this might be the the last time we hear from them in the way that we're used to anyway. So we've been seeing lots of the local broadcast teams put out thank you messages and and uh, videos and tweets and all kinds of things about this this being their last time broadcasting the games in their local markets. Andy Lochnane was on the broadcast pre-match talking to Adrian and Michael. Adrian was saying, we still don't know anything. We don't know what's going to happen. We know that this is the last time we're going to be doing a game in this, in this format. Uh, but even, even Andy was saying, like, we hope to keep you guys on in some form or fashion to continue working with you. So it really does seem, I figured by this point that maybe somebody would know something or there'd be some idea of what, what things were going to look like. And it does not sound like that's the case, that they have any clue more of what, what the future holds for them. So um, they've, they've done a great job this season. Hopefully we, they'll be able to do something. I would love to be able to keep them in Austin working with the club in some, in some way. But uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see in the, the next few months. Yeah, I'm going to see what other kind of opportunities they have. And this guy, you know, Adrian, when we had him on, seemed unsure that MLS would be able to pull off this, like, long-term plan by the time the next season starts. Maybe he's kind of, maybe that's that's how it's going. And it, there will be local broadcasters in some form next year. I don't I don't know. It's exciting overall, but it's, yeah, it's a weird time for those guys. And hopefully it all works out. Yeah, um, I'm one thing that I'm, I'm hoping will improve with this new broadcast is that there will be more cameras in the stadium, uh, <laughs> not only to improve viewing angles and production quality, but maybe, maybe they could use it for something else like, uh, maybe for f- VAR? figuring out if people yeah. are offside or not. But, um, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Should we jump into the I Colorado a, Rapids recap? <laughs> yes. I think it's a great entry point is talking about the Rapids match. This game ended one, one, two, one late goal and then one really, really late goal uh, to tie it up. I think there were a lot of negative feelings coming out of the stadium after this one uh, for reasons that we'll get into shortly. But upon the rewatch and watching how Austin actually played and kind of reviewing the chances they had, I don't know about you, but I felt fairly encouraged by this game as far as like building momentum towards the playoff being in good shape to go into the playoff and actually do something in the first playoff game. That's what I really wanted to see out of this game. And I think leaving the stadium, that was all lost on me because everyone was talking about and thinking about other things. But upon this rewatch, I felt a bit more encouraged. Am am I alone in that? Or do you feel that at all? 
No, I think that's what made the ultimate result so frustrating is that I feel like Austin did play its game and Austin um, had better chances and they looked strong and they looked strong. We'll talk about maybe the lineup in a little bit, you know, even with a little bit of lineup rotation, you know, to keep keep guys healthy. Like I felt like they played, they were the better team on the, that night for sure and played the better game. And like, that's part of why I was so angry about uh, all the things that happened with the officiating. And boy, at the end, like that was a loud stadium. Uh, booing the refs off the field, like almost yeah. as loud as I've ever heard that place, which, you know, Q2 is a loud stadium all the time, all the way around. But if you want to get the entire stadium uniting behind one thing, it was yelling at the refs at the end of the match. Man, and Anthony Precourt tweeted after, maybe it was today that he tweeted this out, but he essentially said, like, tweeted a picture of the of the old school Incredible Hulk and saying like, let's take this energy and turn it into like that that edge that we're going to need next week for the playoffs. And I, I like, I think like some people might look at that as like cheesy or corny or whatever. I absolutely love that sentiment, and I hope that is what is happening in in the locker room. And it, I think there was a quote in the striker article from this game from Brad Stuver saying like, yeah, we're gonna like we're not gonna forget about this, and I think it will be useful for us. So. Um, I absolutely hope Austin FC channels that and just says like, yeah, people are still doubting us. People are trying to keep us back. Let's show them what, what we're about. Yeah, I was going to, I was looking up for that exact quote. He says, uh, we're going to continue that edge and probably let this marinate all week. Use it as a little bit of fuel like we need anymore. I'm afraid for any team that comes across a pissed off Austin FC. Like hopefully that is what comes to pass. Like that's, that's a great, you know, way to, way to think about things, way to, to take the best you could out of what happened. Uh, the other night talking about the booing at the end of the game um ruben gabrielson had to be held back from following the refs into the tunnel as they were leaving the field <laughs> and then um alex ring was walking across the field towards the refs and several coaches were telling him like alex stop you have to stay here and he's like i'm just gonna go shake their hands like had his hands up like it's fine <laughs> yeah, i'm not gonna oh, do yeah. anything and he walks up shakes all three refs hands turns around and then as soon as he starts walking away his head snaps back over his shoulder and he's chirping at him the whole time he's walking away <laughs> and then Davey Arnaud is walking over towards the refs with people in his ear again like Davey calm down it's going to be okay does the exact same thing that Alex Ring just did <laughs> shakes all their hands and then walks away and then has his, his chin on his shoulder chirping at the refs as he's walking away the whole time <laughs> so yeah I, it's we'll get into what Austin FC needs to do against RSL, but I think we have part of the ingredients already already cooking there. Well, I think the big thing on the on the like pregame leading up to the match, you know, there's a lot of discussion about, okay, Austin's in second place. It's secured. Does this matter? Do we rotate? You know, what do teams need to do? I think I'm pretty solidly in the camp of, like, we need some momentum going into the playoffs, and so I would like to see them put out their best squad and put out their best effort. And, like, you've got a week off between now and the next match. So I was hoping to see... Um, sort of a full lineup and a strong performance. And I think in some way we got that, but um, maybe do you want to talk through what the changes that we saw? Yeah, so it was, I, I think really the main one we focused on last week was at right wing, whether you give Ragoni one more shot to kind of settle in or if you get Finley in there who we think should probably be the starter, did last week anyway, um, and just get him back in getting reps with that first team. We didn't really talk about the midfield or striker 
And that's what ended up changing in this game. So Yohan Valencia gets the start over Danny Pereira at the six, and then Musajite starts over Maxi Ruti at the nine. I like as far as rotating for rest and for legs, that didn't seem to make sense to me. Um, I kind of like with we knew it was going to probably be at least a week, if not like eight, seven, eight, nine days between this game and the next game. And so I don't think it makes sense to rotate for legs. I had a conversation the day before the game and, um, I don't, (laughs) I can't say too much about what the conversation was or who it was with, or I'm going to get myself and somebody else in trouble. But this person said something to me about what they thought the lineup was going to be that seemed very odd at the moment to me. But once I saw the lineup come out, I was like, oh, this makes sense. And so with context clues, I what I read into this lineup is that there are some subs that you can put into certain positions on this team that do more or less the same thing as the person in front of them, just slightly different. I think there's two positions on this team and two players who play those positions on this team that you can put into the game and it changes the way Austin FC plays the game. It changes the style. It changes what is possible in this team. I think those two positions are what we saw rotated here. And so Johan Valencia at the six instead of Danny Pereira, that changes what this team looks like. It changes. Uh, they're very different players. Johan Valencia being more of like a pure six. And then Gite and Uruti. We've seen enough of those guys. Like everyone knows what the difference in those guys is. And the way that that position is used in the team is different with when those two guys are on the field. I think this is Josh Wolf trying out his plan B and not necessarily like a plan B during a game, although it could be that. So it could be like, okay, I'm seeing this in a game. We're going to make this change to change how we're playing. I think these are the two positions you can do that the most with. And so whether it's, from the very start in a certain game, like we we're looking at the opponent. This is the way this is, this team is going to play against us. This is what we need to do to change what we do or midway through a game. If you want to throw a guy on and change, change what we're doing. I think this is what he was getting a look at is what does our plan B look like? Are these two guys ready to go and warmed up and, and in good form right now? And I think that's what he wanted out of this game. And I think I think he got it. I like I Valencia and GTA both looked good. Yeah, they did. I didn't see any Yeah, I didn't see any anything negative um out of them. I was looking like Danny didn't play at all, right? No, I don't think so. I'm wondering, that's gotta be just about the first game that he's like been in the lo- been on the roster and not played a minute too, which I thought was I mean, I guess you just go with the way the game flow goes, but I was a little bit surprised that that happened. Yeah, I mean, um, Valencia, did Valencia come out? No, he played the full 90. Okay, yeah, I mean, that might have been part of it too because I don't think he's played 90 minutes or anything close to it really this season. So Valencia, he, like I said, plays different than Pereira but was really efficient at kind of receiving the ball, moving it around. We weren't moving the ball through him as much as we do uh whenever like through that position when Danny's on the field, but in transition defense, uh, he was 
he did what you would expect a true, like a pure six to do in that position. And I thought he was pretty good at it. Jite, I th- like didn't get a ton of strong chances, but as far as hold up play being an outlet, whenever we got into trouble a few times. And then also a thing that I think is maybe the biggest value drop off earlier in the season when you made a change Jite for Aruti was the defensive work and not not only how hard Maxi works on defense, but how smart he is in those those pressing rotations and knowing where to go and when to go and when to when to rotate and where to drop back. Doing all that stuff, he's so good at it. And um, Jite wasn't really, but the last few games that he played and in this game, I thought Musa Jite did those things really well. And it looks like he understands what he's supposed to do, how to work off of Driussi in those those pressing rotations. And I thought he looked perfectly fine in those moments. Yeah, the, and uh, the other lineup change that we saw was the uh, in the coaching box where yeah. Josh Wolf picked up. Uh, so was it the, his third yellow or was it the third yellow for the bench, which he then served? I don't really know what that... Very unclear. We, we couldn't see any of it on TV, right? And so... Where like I think at one point you see a yellow get shown towards the general vicinity of the bench, but we didn't really know who it was for, and so I don't fully understand what happened. But it was for a yellow card accumulation, and I don't know if it was specifically on him. In any case, he was the one who had to pay for it and missed this one out. So Davy Arno coached his, I think that's his fourth MLS game as a head coach. I think he had two for Houston a few years ago after I think maybe Wilmer Cabrera got fired <laughs> and then he's done two for Austin FC this season. So, um, yeah, Dave, Davey's getting a few, a few warm up games before maybe one day he goes and tries to get a head coaching job for himself. For sure. And I guess the big thing for Davey for me, was like, I didn't notice, you didn't notice Davey. You didn't notice a whole lot of like differences between like what, what you would expect to see like out of a Josh Wolf team with substitutions, rotations and stuff like that. So, I mean, it seemed like a, he seemed like a, he had a solid game. Yeah. I mean, and we, we did get to hear more from him in interviews and like the press conference. And, um, I, it seems like a really smart guy. I, he is clearly Josh Wolf's like right hand man and kind of his partner in building the plan for this team. And I think that shows like, I, I don't know that you, you lose a lot of the greater game plan having Davey step in for a game just because I think he is so involved in in all of it anyway and and being Wolf's sounding board and, and kind of helping him plan all that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's, like you said, it's probably a good thing that, like, if you don't notice whenever the assistant coach is, is the top guy for a game, uh, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, it absolutely is. So uh, I guess the next thing to do is you want to talk through some goals or not goals. Yeah. Disallowed goals, things that should have been goal scoring opportunities that weren't. But like, yeah, the the game flow itself. Yeah. So the first one comes in the 25th minute. Uh, this one is, uh, it's a free kick, correct? So it's pretty deep. Diego Fagundes takes it. As they almost always do, they try to get it onto Julio's head and then he redirects yep. it somewhere else and try to get a shot. They get it on Julio's head. He heads it down towards the goal. Driussi does a really good job to get a foot on it and get it past the keeper. Um, they call the goal. They're back to the center circle. Everyone's standing around waiting for the kickoff. And then 
there's a delay and a delay and a delay. They go look at it. They call it off for offside. After getting a chance to look at this one, do you think they got this one right? I don't know. I don't think they got any of them right. You know, and you said, and I, and I hate to be like the, uh, <laughs> I feel like we end up being the voices of reason in some of these very often and not like blaming games on the officials because I kind of hate that approach. Like, I feel like that's every fan's way, but I feel like they got every major call wrong uh, when it came to Austin on Sunday night, no- Sunday afternoon or Sunday night. I, how do you feel about it? So you think Juicy was onside? I think he was onside. Yeah. I, I think, think it was from, the least. I think it was the least obvious of those. Like that was that was wrong. But I think he was onside. <laughs> yeah, I think there's one angle that's kind of like from above that I think his foot is just offside, and so I think he probably was off. Um, so did I? Do I think they got this one right? Yes. Does that mean I think the refs did a good job? No, I don't, <laughs> because there is a play later on that we'll talk about here very shortly that doesn't get overturned on a much larger margin like it seemed much clearer that they got it wrong and it doesn't get overturned and so just the inconsistency the indecision uh i i yeah i don't think they did a good job at all even though i do i do think they got this one right and just before this it's literally the play that leads to this free kick um they Colorado has a goal kick. We win the header and it bounces back and falls to Jite. Jite like kind of chests it, like catches it with it on his chest and it bounces up in the air. And he kind of juggles through traffic, like bouncing it off his head, off his shoulder, off his leg, off his head, off his shoulder, and runs through three or four defenders and then pushes forward and gets kicked again. And then is breaking through and it's like going to be, out on his own, like in a really dangerous area running towards goal and they blow it back for a foul instead of playing advantage. It's like, yeah, it was a foul. Good job. Thanks for calling the foul. But we just had a breakaway that you stopped because you didn't play advantage. That's what leads to that, that free kick. And then we get called that goal called off. And so again, I I think they got one call, right, but it's just so many little things that I think they did a poor job at. And it's, it wasn't just, like the main official, there's some stuff that the assistant referees got wrong. I think VAR got some stuff wrong. And so it was the whole crew. And this is something that I thought was really interesting is Josh Wolf talked to the media after the game up in the press box. And there's a quote that uh, Chris Bills had in his article from Wolf. And he said, it's frustrating, but it's a game where we're not playing for any positioning and they're, they're certainly out of it. So we get the refing crew that we get and that's what we live with. This is a thing that had not occurred to me that it seems like he's hinting at the fact that like the games that mattered more, we're going to get the better referee crews. And I would imagine Josh Wolf knows, like knows the tendencies, knows the records of these referees. I think that's probably part of these coaching staff's jobs is to know these things. And so it almost seems like he looked, looked at this crew. It was like, Oh, we got the, like the, oh, we got the worst. Essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We got the JV squad tonight. Uh, but that's something that never really crossed my mind. I kind of figured it was just like, they just kind of randomly mixed them up, but like they don't do that for the playoffs. Right. They, they'll actually review records and like how good these guys do 
during games and the best refs will get to get to do the playoffs and then eventually the final. And so I think it'll be telling once like the, the assignments get called for the playoffs. I'm going to be surprised if we see this guy's name calling a playoff game. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've hope we've hopefully we're done with this crew for the, for the rest of of this season after the way that this performance went on Sunday. So um, there's not a ton of big chances until later on in the game, Austin finally gets their goal in the 81st minute on a penalty kick. This is after we make some subs and uh, Felipe gets fouled in the box. Clear penalty, right? Like he gets that was clear. Yep. bundled over in the box. Um, it looked like for a second they weren't going to give it, but ended up blowing the whistle. Uh, there's a big kerfuffle in the box and they do the whole thing where Rigoni goes and stands over the ball while everyone's talking trash to him. And then the ref clears them all out. And then Drusy goes up and places the ball and takes it. But there's some like pushing and fighting going on outside of the box. And um, Ruben and Estevez, one of their their wingbacks, kind of get into it. And then Drusy steps up and just slots it down the middle. And as they're fighting, they're like pushing and then took the shot. And then Ruben just kind of stood up straight and like patted Estevez on the back. I was like, all right, have a good day, man. Yeah, maybe it was because we talked to him this week, but I noticed like all the Ruben things that maybe I didn't yeah. always appreciate in this match for sure. The little like the gamesmanship and things that he will yeah. do really stood out for me. Just like a little like uh, like condescending pat on the back. Like, good job, bro. <laughs> um, so yeah. Austin goes up. What were you going to say? I was going to say no right after that. I thought we were going to be up 2-0. Like the, the excitement from the first goal had barely stopped when the second goal happened. Yeah, so this is a really nice sequence of play. Um, Drew C ends up with the ball, flicks it through to Diego. Diego chips the keeper. Uh, it looks very clean to me in the stadium. Our seats are not at the best angle. Uh, but I then later saw some some uh, cell phone footage of the right angle. And then the actual TV angle was not terrible, but... The assistant referee in the moment calls Diego offside. They look at it. It's not the best angle. It is like tough to see, but if you're comparing this, this call and the one that they did overturn the call on the field for Drusi's first goal that gets called back, I think this one is the much clearer error. And they don't they don't give it, don't overturn it, and goal doesn't count. And they made one of these awful like pro statements after the match. That's like, oh, we didn't see anything or Not whatever. Sufficient like, evidence. Blah yeah. blah blah. It's like, uh, just yeah, don't just don't say anything. <laughs> Nobody needed that statement. Um, so a little later in the game, this is, uh, I think around the 90th minute, somewhere around there, maybe a little after. Drusi gets sprung on a breakaway. Do you remember who played that that ball through for him? I do not. I can't remember. It might have been Felipe. I don't remember. Maybe Felipe did. But somebody plays a through ball, and Abubakar, the center back, is deeper, but he has to turn and start running. Drusi's at a full sprint. And it becomes very clear that Drusi is going to overtake him and probably get onto the ball. I think you might be able to make a case that the goalkeeper could have stepped out and maybe beat Drusi to the ball. I think that's a huge maybe. We can maybe talk about that a bit more, but uh, Abubakar knows you see a moment in the, in the video 
where he realizes that Drusy is about to run past me. He changes his angle. He's no longer running towards the ball and instead is running to cut Drusy off. Uh, Drusy tries to kind of like dip past him and he puts a shoulder into Drusy's back and knocks him over. No call in the moment. <laughs> and then they st- they pause and, and review it because it's a red card opportunity. Therefore, they can review this and could have gone back and given a red card for it. Chose not to again. Um, I think what, in the moment and watching it back, I think I still think the same thing that I think there's a case to be made for this not being denial of a goal scoring opportunity um, and being given a yellow card. I do not think there's any case to be made for the fact that this is not a foul. For it to be for it to be nothing. No, and, I mean, yeah, it's very, very red card looking to me on the field and on every every Twitter replay I've, I've watched of it, video replay of it. I mean, cause it's just, he's in his back. Like you said, he, he's, he realizes he's getting beat and like takes, takes Drew down. I mean, does Drew make a meal of it? Sure. That's like what every good attacking player does when they have the chance to do so. But it seemed like a solid red card to me. Of course, Andrew Weeby was, uh, was mixing it up with Austin FC fans today. And I think he argued like four different reasons why it wasn't a foul. None of them being the the reasoning that PRO actually gave, which was they, they thought there was quote insufficient contact. And I'm like, if that's not enough contact, then like, what is, what is a foul? If that's not a foul and it wasn't the most, it wasn't like a, a tackle or like, a football tackle. It wasn't the most egregious of fouls, but if a guy abandons his path towards the ball and veers into another player who is obviously running past him and, and another, like uh, one of the arguments is like that looks shoulder to shoulder, shoulder to shoulder, like that shoulder to shoulder doesn't mean you can just run through somebody. If you touch them with your shoulder, if there's like the ball is there and Abubakar is trying to win the ball or shield the ball, and goes shoulder to shoulder with a guy. That's one thing. He abandons the ball. He's like, I'm not worried about the ball anymore. I'm just going to take this guy out. And so like, there's so many <laughs> arguments that I think none of them are valid. Uh, it, this one really pissed me off. I, I think that one in the Fagundes offside call are just both so clearly wrong when they overturned another one that was far less clearly wrong Davey Arno was talking about it after the game. The players were talking about it after the game. I saw some national voices on Twitter talking about it after the game. It really does seem like Andrew Weeby's the only person who thinks that this ref did a good job in that moment. See, Andrew, you know, he was he was too nice to everybody. I guess he's feeling like he felt love after he was on our <laughs> show uh, and sort of said nice things about Austin, so he's trying to turn it around. Yeah, and that, so, so then again, I think it's... The second time that no was yeah so you know we're up one nil and hopefully we'll still manage to see it out and then I, I feel like this was out of nowhere then like the goal that was pretty much at the death comes for Colorado to send everybody home angry and disappointed yeah and the kicker here is that Lala Sabubakar the guy who probably should have just gotten a red card ends up getting the assist on this equalizer. And so not only was it a moment where Drew probably would have been one-on-one with a keeper that he denies, 
and should have gotten a red card. He gets to stay on the field and ends up assisting the tying goal. And so if this game had meant anything at all, I think there would have been a literal riot in that stadium (laughs) because it was already really raucous the way it was. Had we lost the game on that call, I think there might've been like some problems in there because I'm not sure how many people were aware of this, but we talked about it last week on the show that one point got us like essentially three more lottery tickets into qualifying for CONCACAF Champions League without having to win MLS Cup. And so had we lost this game, then the only way for us to qualify for MLS, or for CONCACAF Champions League for next year is to win MLS Cup, whereas that point got us a few other routes to get there. And so it it didn't mean anything as far as standings or our place in the playoffs or who we're going to play there, but it did have consequences. And this is a thing that Drew Yussi said after the game. Um, Michelle Sanchez posted a video of it and a, a translated quote. But Drew Yussi was essentially saying like, this, like, this is serious. Like they need to take a look at this because yeah, today it didn't mean anything, but if this happens next week, like it has serious consequences and this can't like, this can't be allowed to continue. Things need to change. Yeah. So just in conclusion, would you say the referees had a good night or a bad night uh, I think on Sunday? The whole crew did a terrible job. <laughs> the whole crew, they were <laughs> and, awful. That's fair. And I, I really, I want to, whenever they post these things, I'm not sure how far ahead they they assign these games to the refs. I imagine they're already doing it now, but I really do want to look at all of their names and see if any of them get playoff uh, playoff assignments. Because I will be angry and shocked if they do. <laughs> Especially if it happens to be in an Austin match. Uh, so looking at the stats of the, um, at this game, expected goals, our favorite stat. Uh, Colorado ends up Colorado ends up with a lower XG number than Austin on, is it almost twice as many shots, which is, I think it's like, it says something about (laughs) shot selection and chance creation. And I think this is like indicative of Austin's season on the whole, right? Is that, yeah, we've overperformed expected goals all season, But I think this is why, like, this is the reason why is because we only take shots from dangerous spots, essentially. Like, we're not trying to just get a shot. We're trying to get the shot. And we don't always make them, but, like, we take fewer shots because we're more patient to get in those areas. And I think this, like, yeah, XG for one game is not super accurate. But um, I think this is part of the reason why Austin overperform those metrics so greatly is because most teams just will take more shots and won't be as picky or as good at creating the the high level shots. And so um I yeah I just thought thought, thought that was an interesting stat. Yeah and if you look at the shot chart uh on Fot Mob or wherever else, like Austin's is really tidy. I think eight of our nine shots are from inside the box and uh Colorado's are just like spraying balls in from all over the field. So I'm not surprised that they had a lower XG um, out of that, but it does to your point, it does show that like Austin had a plan, um, that it seems like we executed on better than the final score line would happen to show. Uh, yeah, so final whistle blows after the 
after like not long after they score, right? I want to say it's like a few seconds. It's a few after seconds, they yeah. Um, as soon as the whistle blows, Maxi Uruti starts walking towards the ref with just hands above head, sarcastic clapping. Yeah, I mean, you really saw that we've got a lot of passion to a lot of passionate dudes, right? From from Maxi uh, to to Ring to Ruben to like all the things you talked about. Like, there's not a there's a lot of strong feelings on the club, and I think ultimately that probably is to our benefit. Um, anything else you want to talk about about this game, Jeremiah? No, let's get on. Let's get on to talking about the playoffs. All and, right. Uh, yes. I mean, let's take a break and then let's get on to talking about the playoffs and talking to Ruben. Yeah. So we've got uh, a preview of the upcoming playoff game against RSL and then that interview with Ruben. So hang tight. We'll be right back with more Moon Tower Soccer. We have done our final ticket giveaway for the season, brought to you by Sage Wilson Property Group. Thanks so much for everyone who entered to win. Uh, we're really glad that we were able to to provide some tickets to folks. I know some people who had never been to a game, so um, really glad that that we're able to kind of get some more people into the stadium to, to experience uh, to experience that atmosphere. If you or anybody you know are in need of Sage Real Estate Advice in Austin, as we all should be. I don't know. I think I say that. I was like, oh, the market's up. We should all need sage real estate, sage advice. And now like the market's down. We all need sage advice. You, no matter whether you're buying or selling, <laughs> you should talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Property Group. That's where I'm going to leave this. And as always, Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FVF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community transparency and client education. You can go to FVF.law to find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's FVF.law. And we have a new sponsor. This week, Moon Tower Soccer is also brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best men's below-the-waist grooming product. These products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. I've been excited to read that ever since we got the copy. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate in men's hygiene bundle. You can join over 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. And we have an offer for you, 20% off and free shipping with the code Verde at manscaped.com. So we each received the performance package 4.0 as part of this promotion. And there's a lot in there. Uh, inside there, you'll find the... And it's also very nicely packaged. Like It was, a, it was a, like a presentation. It was like opening a opening a gift it was, it was really yeah, nice it felt special so you'll find the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer the weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer the crop preserver deodorant and crop reviver toner performance boxer briefs and a travel bag to hold all your goodies the lawnmower 4.0 this is the trimmer they call it the future of grooming jeremiah you actually already had one of these right do you want to yes tell folks about your experience with it Yes, I will be happy to give a free testimonial for somebody who's also sponsoring us because I have owned the Lawnmower 4.0 for about, I don't know, three or four months. And it's very different and better than any other razor that, that I've owned. And actually, I mostly use it for my beard. I don't know why we only talk about below the waist grooming, but like it's a, it's a great beard trimmer and it's a great trimmer all the way around. And yeah, I've loved it even before I found the opportunity that we would have to do a little work with Manscaped. Beyond the lawnmower, the Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer, which is also waterproof and provides this proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. And this actually works. I, I've got 
significant nose hair and have used machines like this before and they almost always like pull your hair out and I've used this one and it worked a charm. It was great. And then this also comes with Crop Preserver deodorant. Crop Reviver toner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine and also two free gifts for the performance package, a pair of boxers and a travel bag. The travel bag is nice because there's a lot of stuff in there and you need to be able to carry it neatly. So again, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code Verde at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using Verde. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, we are back and we are going to preview Austin FC's first ever playoff game. So uh, a couple hours after the game ended the other day, we had all of the matchups set and then had all of the scheduling set as well. So Austin FC got the Sunday 2 p.m. slot. It's going to be on ABC. I think the actual kickoff time is going to be 2.18 is what uh, MLS kickoff times is saying right now. Uh, and I think it's it's going to be ESPN crew. So I think we're going to have Taylor Trollman and John Champion on the call. So they're giving us like the the A team essentially. Yeah, it'd be a big time, be the big time crew. So this series all time is tied two to each uh, split last year's matches, split this year's matches. Uh, both teams won at home this year. Most recently, Musa Jite's beautiful 14, 15 minute hat trick uh, allowed Austin to pick up a win. 3-0 on September 14th. RSL did not have a great run into the end of the season. They did just enough, right? They lost three, drew one, and then beat Portland on decision day to both get themselves into the playoffs and eliminate Portland. And I think, what was it, like none of the Cascadia teams who have played in the, at num- like whatever the number is, like the n- last seven championship series or whatever are going to be a factor here because they all missed the playoffs. Yeah, so looking at the the seven teams in the West who made the playoffs, I think there are only two who were in the playoffs last year, which is really weird. Um, but talking about RSL doing what they needed to do, before that, the last time we played them, Pablo Mastroeni said to the media, like, I, we're going to prioritize our home games. And so much so that Jefferson Savarino, their best player, did not travel to Austin for that midweek game stayed home to rest for their next home game. Uh, It seems like that ended up paying off for them. So this is a player that Austin hasn't seen this year. So that's going to be, I guess, a card up RSL's sleeve um, that Austin has not played this guy yet, and he's been really good for them. Yeah, and he scored their first goal uh, of the Portland match. Uh, So it was Severino, Rubin, and Davis scored those three, and they were up 3-0. So it it was a dominant victory they had. So they're coming in and I guess off a, off a high note for sure. So Jeremiah, do you want to remind folks what RSL's playoff looked like last year? Yes. They, uh, they had a great bus parking adventure in 2021 against Seattle Sounders, in the first round of the playoffs. They were outshot 22 to zero, managed to hold Seattle to a nil, nil draw and then won the game on PKs, which is probably the most cynical performance. Um, I think anybody's ever seen. So hopefully we will not get that kind of that kind of outcome again from RSL this year against Austin. Yeah, it's not really the way that they've played this year, um, but we know that they can <laughs> because we saw it last year. But uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't. As far as what we're going to see from them this year, they've kind of switched back and forth between a four four two and a. Uh, 
like a back three, kind of like a three, five, two look. And so I was looking, going back and like looking at the, the lineups and when they played four at the back versus when they played three at the back and who was in the team that day. And I had kind of a, a theory as to why, but I reached out to Hayden Nielsen, who's of the the Royal Riot podcast, who we're actually going to be on later this week to do a little preview with, on their show. But he confirmed kind of what my suspicion was about what decides which formation they're going to go with. And it's basically who's available in defense and how to get their best players on the field. So... Uh, Andrew Brody, Brian Oviedo, and um, I can't remember Herrera's last name. Aaron Herrera are all nominal fullbacks of some sort or another. And so I think earlier in the season, Herrera and Brody were getting most of the minutes as like wingbacks, kind of attacking wingbacks. They brought in Oviedo. He's been really good for them, but Oviedo and, and Brody... I guess all three of them are, are fullback slash wingbacks. And so a way that they found to get them all on the field is to play Brody and Oviedo as wingbacks and then play Aaron Herrera as one of a back three. And so Herrera was not available the other day. They played four at the back because they could put both of those guys as fullbacks. Um, but the last time that Herrera was available, they played him as that back three. That's what Austin saw last time we played them. And this is what Hayden from the Royal Riot thinks we're going to see in this game on Sunday is a back three that includes Aaron Herrera and then Brody and Oviedo on the wing. So this is that that back three look that we saw against Austin last time. And it's the look that made Josh Wolf think this is the perfect game for Musajite. Put him on. He scores a hat trick. So is there an argument if we think that RSL is going to give us that back three look, is there an argument for starting Musajite from the beginning and trying to take advantage of that earlier in the game? I would like to see that. I feel like this is the game to flip that script and like let Musajite have the the opportunity. I mean, it's, he just started this past week, but I mean, with the way he lined up against them, I think you get as much time as possible out of Musajite, and then you, if you need it, you get the little change of pace from um, from Maxi like. Kind of like we saw, uh, saw like we saw on Sunday. I, I could I could definitely see this being a Musa kind of game. Yeah, I mean, before Sunday, seeing him play against Colorado, and then I don't remember what the last game he started. It's whatever the game after RSL was. He got the start in that game as well. He he looked good. I think my my concern and my kind of complaint about GTA was that yeah, he's looked okay in these substitute appearances, but. As far as managing a game from the beginning, I don't really trust him to do it. Uh, I think in the last few appearances, he's earned my trust in that. And we'll see if he's earned Wolf's trust in that because I think it's still a little bit risky if you start him and they end up playing a back four. And maybe that look isn't as like the defensive look isn't as conducive to Musajite bossing that back line again. Like, does that throw off the whole game plan? Does it ruin the game plan? Um, is having Maxi's defensive effort for the first 60 minutes, would that be a better plan? And you put GTA on against the tired back line. Like, I think there's still a lot of questions there that would make me nervous about starting him. But with these last few performances that he's put in, it would make me much less nervous than it would have before then. 
Yeah, that's exactly how I feel about it. After seeing what he's done over the last few weeks, it's like if we need to move things around in the second half and like transition, like I'm I don't think he's a he's not a detriment to the team. Like we're not losing so much that we can't wait until like halftime or sixty minutes and sort of turn things around if for some reason we don't get the formation we expect. So I would absolutely be okay with that. Yeah, I I still I don't think we'll see it. I'll be okay with it, but I I still think we're going to see Maxi Rucci get the start uh, because I think just because of the, kind of the flexibility, it's it's the guy who's gotten us here. Um, he can still lead that line in the press, give us the defensive effort, all the work that he does. If that look is there, or if we just need a change of pace or whatever, we can still put Musa on. And maybe put him on just a little bit earlier than we would have otherwise. Maybe at sixty minutes instead of seventy or eighty. But um, I, yeah, I wouldn't put money on it. But I still think we'll see Aruti get the start. What about at the uh, at the six? Do we think Valencia has forced his way in, or do we think this is what I said earlier and just kind of preparation for Plan B? Yeah, I think Valencia was fine, but I don't see any way that Danny doesn't start a playoff match at home. Like it's he's been too much of a factor for the team this year and too much of a part of this club's identity that when needing to take a win here at home, that it's not Danny. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I think there is, like I said before, I think there is a game, a potential game in the playoffs where they might be the right choice for a start. But I think in this one, I really do think we're going to see the standard 11 that includes Finley on the right wing, Aruti up top, Danny in the midfield, and then just kind of the the same folks that we've been seeing for most of the season. Yeah, I mean, to your point, like if, if this the other lineup is like Plan B, you feel like this is the match where you roll, roll out Plan A, right? I mean, this is a team that I think so on 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 paper, like there's all the reason to believe we just like throw our best eleven out there and give our best performance and don't have the worst officials in the history of the world that Austin should be able to pick up this win. It's it's not like going to LA and needing to change things up or whatever. Yeah. And so talking about parking the bus, like I think against a team that does that, maybe you do start um, Valencia over Pereira just to be that guy in transition to kill any counters. RSL typically, like they can do that, but they typically have not really played that way. They like to play wide, like through the flanks uh, Brody, I was saying he's been playing a wing back, but if you look at kind of like average positions throughout a game, he's pretty much playing as a winger. A lot of times he'll be like one of the highest guys, like pushing that line up the right side there. And Herrera, it gives Herrera the ability to kind of push up and be a little bit more involved in buildup. And so they really do push numbers forward. And so I, yeah, I, th- I think this is a game to, um, yeah, to play like the best 11, dance with who brought you. <laughs> Speaking of them playing up the flanks, I was looking up some stats. Uh, Jeremiah, guess who's guess who's first in all of MLS in accurate crosses? Accurate crosses? Well, if it's not RSL, I don't know. Who, like, I'm, I feel like this is a loaded question. <laughs> it's the New England Revolution. Oh, okay. But second place is RSL. Okay. Guess who's first in MLS in inaccurate crosses. I'm going to go with Austin. It's RSL. <laughs> oh, RSL. I love it. All this to say is that RSL crosses cross the, ball the ball a lot. <laughs> yeah, I got it. And so um, 
I think on our day, we'll handle that just fine. Like that doesn't worry me a ton. If they're getting into the inline and getting in behind us and starting to play balls back across, like that's where I get worried. But if it's just crosses from wide into the box, I'm okay with that. Um, so as far as what we need to do to beat them, I think a, we need to match their work rate and intensity on extra time. The episode that came out today, there was a listener question that was like, how did RSL make the playoffs? Like they're not good at some things. They give up a ton of chances. Like how did they get there? And Matt Doyle said, quote, they execute really hard, which is a weird sentence. And I'm not sure that he meant to phrase it that way, <laughs> yeah. but it makes a lot of sense. He did not say they execute well. He said they execute hard. And so they make mistakes, they give up chances, but they do everything they do on the field is done with conviction and effort and belief. And they do it 100 miles an hour, 100%. And so I think Austin needs to match that. We are talking about being pissed off from the game the other day. You take that anger Combine it with just the fact that Q2 is going to be a madhouse for that game. Like the energy, think about the energy for just a normal game at Q2. Uh, think about that LAFC game where it felt elevated on that day. It's going to be bigger and higher energy than any of these things. And so add that into it, add the fact that Austin seems to thrive on on these games that like are kind of big people are doubting them i don't think we're going to have a problem matching them with intensity and effort in this game yeah i love it i just i cannot imagine how exciting it's going to be in that how pumped everybody everybody's gonna be in that stadium so it's just it'll just be a matter of being able to match that effort intensity and doing it in a controlled way and austin's done a lot of that this year done more of that clearly this year than last year I think the other thing that they need to do is just take their chances. Um, like I said, RSL is going to give up good chances. They will they will do that, but then they are also going to do everything they can, 100 miles an hour, to try to stop you from, uh, from taking advantage of that. And so whenever we get that chance, we need to bury it. We need to take advantage of every opportunity we get. Otherwise, I think we could very easily become another victim of the like RSL expected dog. Like if they were, they're going to fight us. And if we don't take advantage of these chances, we could fall victim as many teams have this year. Yep. Yep. Oh gosh. Yes. Let's hope that doesn't happen. I don't want this to be, I don't want this to be our last preview. Yeah. Not this way. Not like this guys. <laughs> not, not like this. All right. Anything else, Jeremiah, before we go to our interview? No, this interview is super fun. And I am love, I just loved it. I love Ruben and I love for people to be able to hear it. Yeah. For so long, I, I mean, I have my favorite players to watch on the team, but people would ask like, no, 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 who's your favorite player? As far as like personality goes, I didn't always have an answer. I have it now. It's Ruben Gabrielson. He's the best. I ain't got no time. All right, we are so excited to be joined today by Austin FC center back Ruben Gabrielson. Ruben, thanks for coming on Moon Tower Soccer. Thank you for having me. So I guess our first question is, how are you and your family liking Austin so far? Oh, we love it. We love it. We lived in France and they didn't speak none of the languages, so... 
they were struggling a lot and now we're here and we can speak English and people in Austin are so friendly. They help us a lot. So we, we love it. And how old are your kids? Two and four. Two and four. So they're, are they doing like preschool or something like that? I guess yeah, they're going to school. school yet. They're going to school. So the oldest one speaks okay English now and the, the youngest one is just a reckless guy. So we don't know yet. And how are they liking the weather so far? It's way too hot. Though. It's way too hot. <laughs> something else they tried to warn me before i came here but i didn't believe them and this summer has been something else uh, yeah i was i just had some friends move to austin from vermont which is like in the northeast of the u.s and they're like no we love it it's never cold it never snows we love it here so i was curious if maybe coming from norway you had a similar attitude but it doesn't no. sound like it <laughs> i like it don't get me wrong i like it but just, come on it was 110 some days it was you can go outside yeah, this ad, to be fair, this is the worst it's ever been. So maybe it won't be so bad next year. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna baptize you by actual fire with the with the kind of the summers around here and getting and getting used to it for sure. And it's like the fall should start at some point, but it hasn't yet. I mean, other than the weather, are there there are things about living in in Austin that that sort of surprise you or um, that you weren't expecting? Yeah, the people they're so so friendly and everybody wants to talk and it's like. If you stand in the elevator, people actually want to talk to you, and that's unheard of in Norway. You shut up and you look, stand in the wall, and you you don't say nothing. Here it's like, yeah, how oh, nice shoes. You're like, oh, yes, thank you. <laughs> very, very friendly. And I guess how many how many of the people around here like sort of know you, and you'll you'll see them like sort of nudging each other in H E B or whatever, like that that you that you're, and how much anonymity maybe do you have here as opposed to other places you've played? Nah, it's not a lot here. I'm walking around freely, do what I want. Nobody cares, and I love it. That's that's perfect. So it's it's not a lot here. It's more, was more in France because we did bad, and that's that's oh no. Want to want to have. <laughs> uh, so, talking about Europe, coming to Austin to MLS after playing in Europe, what are your observations about MLS as as a league? I talked to like Ula Kamara in DC and uh, he said the league was high level and everything and he's a good friend of mine so I trusted him and he was right. Uh, the traveling is is something else here because you go to yeah Colorado and the altitude and that was new to me so it's a lot of things that are I never experienced in my life so it's, it's next year is going to be better but this year was some rough games for me. What what are some of the other differences you've noticed about playing in MLS as opposed to playing in Europe? Uh, I will say the crowd are a lot more friendly. They're, they're super friendly. It's like, yeah, you suck. That's the worst thing you can hear. <laughs> that's, that's no problem. Uh, and the level is really high. There's a lot of good, good, good players here. So it's uh, they're technical, fast, and it's a very... How they put this very entertainment. It's entertainment. Everything is entertainment. Score five five goals is fantastic. A game that's five four in Europe is one zero is the best. So it's it's different. You talk about this skill. Is there a guy that like you have already grown to hate or uh, that you that you don't want to line up against? Uh, players, players, yeah. That I don't like or like personal yeah. or yeah, no, or... no, for, for for the other team. I'll give you everything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ah, this Cavallini pissed me off last game, so I don't like him anymore. <laughs> Good. So we have something that's for next year, and uh, I don't like Chicharito at all. 
Yeah, but the rest is I can I can mention plenty of players, but <laughs> I I remember in the the first practice game that you played with the team against Chicago Fire. I was out at the the practice facility for that one. And I remember you coming onto the field. I think you played just like a few minutes at the end. And you came onto the field and the first thing that you did was like a set piece and you just walk up to Casper Shabilko and just like slap him on the back and then walk back two more steps. It's like, all right, I like this guy's attitude. Yeah, it's when I play game, it's I have, I have control, but it's like a wild control. So I just <laughs> I just do what what I want to do and sometimes the things feels right and uh yeah, that's that's just a the attitude I have when I play. It's nothing. It's only it's because I love the game. That's all. So some of our listeners wanted to know who your football idols were when you were younger and feel free to name other players. But I found an interview where you mentioned a player named Daniel Broughton. Can you tell us a little bit about Daniel and why you liked him? Yeah, he's, he's a legendary player. He was a... Uh... Same color as me in Norway with a big afro. I had the same, and he was strong like a bull, and he's just bullied people. And so it's like he looked like me in Norway, and like it's most white people. So that was like, oh, that's that's the that's the king for me. And uh, I think he stopped playing now, but he he was the king. He was the king for me. And you have Jung Karev, that's all big striker. That was fantastic. I have no defenders though. No, no, never. <laughs> So your, I think I read your parents are from Cameroon. Is that right? My dad is from Cameroon. Mom your from dad. Okay. Okay. So my wife actually lived in Cameroon for a while. Do you know what part of the country he was from? She wanted me to ask you. As Yaounde. Yaounde. Okay. Yeah. She grew up in the the extreme, or not grew up. She lived in the extreme north, so pretty far yeah, up that's, there. That's far. Yeah. Okay. So. You talked about being a minority in in Norway. What was that like growing up in a country as as someone of African descent being a minority there? It was good. It was can't complain at all. It was fantastic. But it's like groups like everywhere where we moved. But in the beginning, where I lived, it was like only uh, two white people in my class, and uh, fantastic. I loved it. I loved every bit of it. And then we moved, and then I was. Me and my brother was the only black people at school, and that was in the beginning a bit tough. But at the end, I wouldn't change it. I got the best from both cultures, so I'm super happy with it. I also read in an interview that you said that you wanted to go abroad earlier in your career, but but you needed to stay in Norway for family reasons. Uh, is 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 that is that the case? And is is that what led you to end up going to France later on in your career? Yeah, I have a brother that was ah, that is sick. And then um, my mom was sick. She died of cancer. So I was like the head of head of the family and my dad died of a heart attack. So it was not the right time for me to leave. I had to stay there and take care of my family. And I did that. And when everybody was back on the feet, I said, okay, now it's my turn to live my dream. And I did it and I'm still doing it. So I'm super happy. Yeah, it's great to, I, great to hear. I saw that video that was released recently by the club where you're talking about your mother. And it just seems like you have a really beautiful outlook on it all. Just like you got to have that, that great last moment with her. Yeah. It's, how many people doesn't have that? So you need to take, like, I was lucky and I had a fantastic mom for many years. And when she passed, of course, don't, don't get me wrong. We would, we was not happy about it, but yeah, it's hard to say it's harsh. I'm a harsh guy to say this. I'm either black or white. You have to move on with the positive attitude. And that's what my family does. That's what, that's what we learn to do. So, 
I know if I didn't, if I was sad and crying all the time and didn't play football, she would come down from heaven and beat my ass. So I was <laughs> simple choice, simple choice. Let me just get rid of the ass whooping and, and smile and, and be me. Well, it seems like you've you've taken advantage and and made the most of uh, of what your career has offered you. So I think she would be proud of you. Oh, 100 percent. Well, I know. So an RSL game when Musa scored his hat trick, you you made some beautiful offensive moves to play a big part on the third goal there. Um, and I know you played the attack some as a kid. So do you ever have like dreams to going back to being an attacking player? You know, are you are you happy as a defender? No, I played uh, midfielder until I was in until 2014. 2015 is my first year as a defender. So I have it in me, but I was not good enough <laughs> to be a midfielder. So they dropped me down, and that's how I found my feet there. And uh, I was I'm much better there, but I I enjoy playing up. Much more fun. You can lose the ball, and yeah, it's no risk. You can do what you want up there. If you lose, you lose. It's simple. But as a defender, you always have to be pessimistic and negative, and yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. When you when you lose the ball at center back, everybody notices, right? Exactly. As midfielder, you do what you want. I will try everything, stepovers and everything. If I was a midfielder, you you had you had some really good moves on that uh, on that goal there. The the run up and then the pass and the the run into the box and the little layoff to Musa. Did you tell Josh afterwards? Like, hey, think about it. Give me a try. Nah, I think you <laughs> see me training every day. He, he knows that. I'm a I'm a he knows. He knows that was an outlier. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm good with the ball for a defender. I'm not a Pereira as a six. So, but I would love to try it. But and the fans will maybe love it too. But we will not win. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so another, this is another question from some of our listeners and they're asking if you had to pick one of these players to have your back in a fight, who would you choose? And, and the two options are two of the, like the beefiest players on the team, Romagna and Gite. So if you're in a fight and you have to choose one partner, who are you choosing? Oh my gosh. Oh. Or you can choose a different player and. No, 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 tell no, us no. why. Who, who can I choose? Gallagher? <laughs> I don't I want to win the fight. I don't, I don't want to lose. <laughs> I'm taking uh, I'm taking Musa. I'm taking Musa. Musa? Yeah. But uh, is it the way you win? So, but I'm taking Musa. <laughs> All right. Romagna seems a little too nice maybe. Oh, no, no. Yes, he has he has he has temper. Don't worry about it. <laughs> good. That is good. Uh so how about you've developed a relationship with Julio Cascante I think pretty quickly like talk about how that came about and I think I know how you feel about him tell us how you feel about him Uh, first of all he's a fantastic fantastic guy fantastic dad and husband he's he has the same values as me I think it's more like that on the pitch we argue a lot it's not like we have the best romance in history we just we just stick to the same things we we want to it's about respect and he, he wants the same as me. He wants the best for his family. So we talk more about family stuff and and important things compared to football. So it's, that's why I like him so much. He's a fantastic guy. He's a yeah, role model, I would say. He's so uh, respectful to everybody and I need to learn that. And he's like, he, yeah, he just carries himself as a proper man and that's why I respect him so much. So you... you- are like kind of a tough guy, a strong player on the field. You speak your mind. You seem to speak pretty directly, but you also seem to be a pretty big cheerleader for your teammates and like to talk them up both on the pitch and off the pitch. So 
How do you view your role in, in the locker room? My role in the locker room? I don't know. Somebody will call me the harsh man. Someone will call me the joker and the prankster. But I, I, as long as everybody wins, I win. I learned that early on. If uh, Hulu has 10 clean sheets, I have the same. So if Musa scores three hat-tricks, we win games. So it's, if everybody wins, I win. That's that's my mentality. I just want to help people. And sometimes help can be that they need the, the truth, that they're not good enough or they need to do better or, yeah. Or that oh, I will say that you're doing fantastic. I will give you credit when credit is due, but if you don't deserve it, I will let you know. I like it. Okay, so we have a couple, of, I've got a couple other listener questions. Are we going to explain what this group is, Landon, or just? Uh, if you want to know what it is, you can ask John Gallagher. He can explain it to you. Oh, just, uh, I don't know. I think I know. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, there you go. The first one is, what's your favorite dance move other than the worm? Because we saw you break that out on the field. Do you have have another specialty, and what would we be able to see it? Oh, no. Yeah, if you catch me in the club, maybe you'll see it, but I don't think so. Uh, I would say a simple two-step is nice for me, yeah. Did you learn, not, did, did you learn a two-step here? Yeah, Not country two-step, though. So in Texas, two-step has a different connotation. Ah, it's you a mean like, linebacks. I can do linebacks. Like, it's do like everything. a, oh, it's like like partner country dancing, is also two step. No, never, no, just a simple left and right with a bounce and some swagger. <laughs> gotcha. And a drink in my hand. That's also that's the, my favorite way to dance too. We also, exactly. We also want to know who 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 leg presses the most. Like leg presses. Yeah, yeah. Who's got the who's got the best leg like press? Squats. Sure. Let's say who's who can squat the most. I think that would be Romania or Nikki. Yeah, but oh, I would yeah. say Romania because Romania don't have to do it. It's just natural. But I think if you if you tell him to do it, he, he will lift the truck. <laughs> and we should say that the the name of the group is Handsome Boys Modeling Football Club. So we have that's Gallagher in that in that group. No, he's like one of the. They're like a fan group for all the handsome boys on the on the team. So who's the handsome boys for the team? I who's think you're, you're included. Yeah, hundred percent. But I'm you, Gallagher is there. So what type of group is this? It's not even. <laughs> <laughs> There's a uh, what's specifically they call themselves Galley's gals. I think the ones that are Gallagher fans. I don't know if you're fan. Going on in Texas, they have no taste. That. That's... <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather go for Danny Houston or something. That's a that's a pretty, pretty guy. And you already let us know how you feel about Danny's hair. Ah, that, that Danny. car video. I love Danny. Danny's the. <laughs> We get to we get to see Danny and like up close when we met with the when the Queen of the Netherlands came and did his thing and I agree he's a, he's a good looking man in person. Yeah, he's beautiful. He's beautiful. He's not even good looking. He's just beautiful. <laughs> All right, so we're approaching the playoffs. Uh, the last little string of results have been the best this season, but y'all seem to show up for the big games. So are are you confident that this team is going to be able to show up and kind of turn it on whenever the playoffs get here? Yes, I am. We had a talk about it the last couple of games that we've not been good enough. And if he was happy what, about what has been about the second place, if we satisfied and we agreed that we're not satisfied at all. And now we need to turn it back on, turn it back on again. And the training these two days has been fantastic. It's been intensity and uh, some oomph to it, like a bit of fighting and so the the passion is back, but I think maybe some of us got a bit happy, too happy with the second place. 
And because uh, because everybody doubted us, so when everybody doubts you and you prove them wrong, you're like, ah, I told you. But we're not done yet. And I saw that this week has been we're back. All right, good to hear. All right, so this play playoff game will be your first. Well, it'll be the first real opportunity for penalty kicks to decide a game. Do you want to be? Do you want to be in the first five? You think you can pull that off? Yeah, hundred percent. Of course, I'd rather me miss than, for example, Nick Lima. <laughs> All right. Well, Ruben, that's all we have for you. Thanks so much for joining us, man. Uh, Thank you for having me. Yeah. Good luck in the playoffs. Thanks a lot. Bye. All right. We would like to thank Ruben Gabrielson one more time for joining us. We'd also like to thank Austin FC. Uh, for making him available and kind of setting that up for us. And to our Patreon members who sent us in some of these questions that we asked, um, we, we're we on a bit of a, a tight schedule within this time. So there's a bunch of other questions I really wanted to ask him that we just didn't really have time to, but uh, I was really happy with what we got out of it anyway. Before we wrap up, we'd like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And then if you want to continue the conversation, come find us on Twitter at LVHero87 and jbentley underscore ATX, and then at Moon Tower Soccer on Twitter and Instagram. You can also sign up for the Patreon, where you too can send in questions for us to ask Austin FC players like Ruben Gabrielson. And then we'd encourage you to visit the Striker website, where you can get a discount with the code MoonTower22 with a capital M. Jeremiah, what should folks look out for there? We've touched on it a little bit, but the fact that the both uh, Phil and Chris had this access to the locker room, like there's a lot of great post game quotes that you you can't get from anywhere else other than the, the ones that the guys from the striker got about from everybody, sort of about the the referees and the performance and what it means and how to expect. So, the, so Chris Bills had a really good article this week with a lot of quotes from players and coaches about the referee decisions, how that would affect the the team, how they might uh, use that as motivation for the playoffs, and it just really shows the access that the striker gets that nobody else does which is exactly the reason that everybody should, everybody out there should go ahead and subscribe. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Moon Tower Soccer where we will review the RSL match and then hopefully we'll be previewing our next playoff match. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around. Think for nothing, you never. La gente. Oh my god.